today I want you to go to Acts chapter number 1. And if you also would find your place uh, in Matthew chapter number 28 as well. Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter number 28. Is everybody here this morning? All right, good. If you didn't say amen, something's wrong. You are here. I hope you're awake. Is everybody awake this morning? All right. How many of you, the, the rain just kind of makes you down a little bit? How many are like that? You wake up and you see the rain. Hey, it could have been snow. Right? How many of you are glad it's rain? There you go. Yeah. I'm glad it's rain, and uh, that'll make everything beautiful here in the next couple weeks. But uh, Acts chapter number 1. And let's begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, The former trees have I made, O Theopolis, of all the things Jesus began to do, both to do and teach, till the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to turn with me your place there in Matthew chapter number 28. The book of Acts is written in to both to, to do what Jesus began to do and to teach, and before he ascended. And what was that? We find in verse number 16 of Matthew chapter 28, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he had saw him, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he said this in verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And Jesus, one of the last things then he says to his disciples is, I, I want you to take what you've learned. I want you to take what you've been taught. I want you to take all the things that I've, I've shown you and all the things that you've seen. I want you to take those things and to go into all the nations of the world and I want you to teach them. Teach them what? Teach them that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for their sins. Teach them that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Teach them that, that every man is a sinner. Every woman is a sinner. And because they are a sinner, they deserve death. But God loved them so much that he has given them a, a sacrifice for their sin, his only begotten son. And that if a man would confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All the things that Jesus, that ministry of three and a half or so years that Jesus taught his disciples. He said, I want you to take those truths and I want you to go into a world that needs to hear those truths and I want you to share those truths. And he didn't say, I just want you to go to your neighborhood or I just want you to, to go to the people you know. He said, I want you to go into all the nations. I want you to go into all the world and preach and teach this gospel message. And so Jesus ascends into heaven and his disciples are, are just left there. Now, putting ourselves in their shoes, this is, this is a difficult thing for them. Sometimes we read and we look at how people responded in the, in the Bible and sometimes if we're not careful, we can be very judgmental uh, toward them. I see in the passage of scripture we just read, the Bible says this, that as they were gathered there, some even doubted. And the truth of the matter is this, many of us would probably fall into that, to that place. 
hear this man, there were some that were fishing, and this man, Jesus, is walking by the seashore, and he says to these men that are fishing, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And he chooses these 12 disciples to, to follow him, and, and they've never seen anything like this before. They see a blind person and Jesus coming and, and spitting in, in mud and, and taking that mud and putting it on the, their eyes and, and then that mud coming off their eyes and that person who had never seen before, now they see. They watch those that were possessed with demons come up to Jesus and Jesus heals that, that, uh, those children or those adults. Jesus is caring and compassionate. They see that a lady couldn't get to Jesus, but she just touches the hem of his garment and, and she's healed of her physical ailment. And, and they're seeing all these things. They're sitting at a place and there's 5,000 people gathered and there's nothing for them to eat. And a young boy has a, a, a small lunch with some fish and some bread. And, and Jesus takes those few fish and those few loaves of bread and he just begins to break those. And, and as he's breaking those, he just continues to feed 5,000 people and there's baskets of food left over. And if that's not enough, just a little while later, he feeds 4,000 people the same exact way with baskets left over. These same disciples are in a boat. The storms come. And they think they're going to die. These that are fishermen, they know how rough the waves are. They know uh, uh, others have been killed in, in, these, in these storms that come. And, and they come to Jesus, and there's Jesus just sleeping peacefully. And they, they, they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, you know, don't you care about us? And he gets up on that boat, and he just simply says, peace be still. And the waters and the waves obey him. They've never seen anything like this before. They're in a boat one evening, and they see someone walking on water. They realize that it's Jesus. They've never seen anyone like this. And sometimes I think they're doubts. If we weren't so judgmental, we'd admit sometimes we have doubts as well. And here we find this same group of disciples, the same group of apostles. They're challenged to take the gospel to the world, which in and of itself is something that's very peculiar as well because these disciples, most of them haven't been but a few miles from where they've grown up and lived. And now Jesus is teaching them something and he's saying to them, I want you to take this into the world. They didn't have the travel and the communication and technology that we have today. And that thought, that, that responsibility was such a major responsibility. But, but nonetheless, we find that Jesus says, I want you to take this gospel message. I want you to take the fact that I am the Son of God, that God sent his only begotten Son into this world because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I want you to do something. And I want you to take that gospel message, life or death, heaven or hell, I want you to take that truth. And I want you to share that truth with a world that needs to hear it. A great responsibility that is. He says, I want you to take, I want you to let them know that law can't save you. Keeping rules can't save you. Keeping the commandments, it won't save you. 
He said, I want you to take the law, the things that you've seen, the things that you've been taught. Let them know that when, when I cried on the cross, that it is finished, that that veil rent from top to bottom. And that means this, every single human being has access to God. You don't have to go through another man. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a religious leader. You have access to God. You have access to his throne room. All you have to do is repent and believe on Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to take and tell the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was not just a revolutionary religious leader. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, I want you to take this truth. I want you to take the truth that Jesus bore your sin upon the cross. Now these disciples, they already knew these things. They've seen these things. They've witnessed these things. They've been a part of these things. They saw the miracles. They, they heard the, 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 the voice of Jesus. They, they watched him uh, do ministry here upon this earth. They watched him die. They watched the, uh, the, the sky turn black. They went to the grave and saw the empty tomb. They saw him there after he resurrected as he came and appeared amongst his disciples. As a matter of fact, Acts says this, that for some 40 days he appeared unto them. He spoke to them. They were there. They've seen all of this. And he says, I want you to take the truth that you know and I want you to share it with a world that didn't get the opportunity to see this. He said, I want you to tell them that he came for one reason and that was be the payment of their sin. The Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die and after this the judgment. The Bible goes on to say this, that the wages of sin is death. Boy, that thought there ought to consume us. To know this, that every single human being, some over six mil billion people alive in the world today, every single one of them have an appointment. And that appointment is with death. And the wages of sin or the payment of sin is death. Every single person that's born into this world is born with a sin nature. Every single person born in this world, the moment that you're born, you begin to die. And when a person passes from this life into the eternity, they're going to spend eternity in one of two places. They're going to either spend it in the presence of God or they're going to spend it in eternal damnation, never, ever, ever having a chance to be redeemed back to God. And Jesus says to his disciples, this truth I want you to share. I want you to take this truth and share it with all the nations. He said, I want you to tell them that Jesus died and Jesus was buried and that Jesus on the third day, he rose again. He conquered death. He conquered hell. I want you to tell them of this son of God named Jesus. He said, I want you to tell them as well that Jesus is coming again. Tell them one day the trump is going to sound and one day I'm going to step out into the clouds and one day I'm going to call my church home so that, to be waiting and be watching. But as you're waiting and as you're watching, he said this, I want you to occupy till I come, or I want you to work. There's a work for every single Christian to do. We're supposed to be waiting for Jesus, but before he comes, we are to take the gospel message into a world that needs to hear about Jesus. Today is Gospel Sunday. 
Today is a day we as a church, we, we realize this, that every day is Gospel Sunday. Every day is the day to give the gospel. We just take a time in our church and highlight and, and try to inspire us and try to motivate us and try to encourage us to be obedient to the word of God. What these disciples were told to do, this was against all logic. This was against the religious system of the day. What the disciples were told to do, this was, this, this was to give hope to a world that was lost. They were told to, to go into a world and tell the world of a, a man named Jesus. The salvation of the disciples, it changed their lives. These disciples, once they were saved, it changed everything about them. It changed their purpose, it changed their goal, it changed their vision. And listen to me today, Christian, salvation ought to do the same thing to you. It ought to change you. Yes, heaven is our home, but, but before we get to heaven, there's a work for us to do. I want you to see here in verse number 8 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, the Bible says this, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I want you to be witnesses. I want you to go back with me. Hold your places in both of these passages of Scripture. Go back with me in Matthew chapter number 28 as well. Matthew chapter 28. In verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so we find that Jesus is saying, I have all power. In verse number 8 of Acts chapter 1, he says, But ye shall receive power. He can give power because he has all power. He's not one to say, I want you to have something, but guess what? I don't have it myself. He said this, you're going to receive power, but I want you to know something. The power you're going to receive, I can give this to you because all power belongs to me. I can give you as much, whatever I need you to have, whatever you need in the moment, I can give you. You're never going to be without power. How do we know that? He said, because I have all power. I want you to see something here today. First of all, I want you to know this, and write this down if you would, please, if you're taking notes. The gospel, giving the gospel, preaching the gospel, telling of the gospel, what Jesus commanded his disciples to do, what each and every one of us are commanded to do, it's called the Great Commission, to give the Great Commission out. Each and every one of us are commanded to do this, but I want you to write this down. It's not done in your own strength. Listen to me, soul winning is not a sales technique. Soul winning is done in the power of God. We can't save a person ourselves. We can only tell of what Jesus Christ was, can do. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that does the work. But we just are to be obedient to share what Jesus Christ has done. We must do our part and let God do the part that belongs to him. We need to understand this, that, that sharing the gospel, it's not done in our own strength. We've been commanded to do something, and we have been equipped to do it as well. I'll tell you, that excites me as a Christian, because there are some things that in this world that I'd love to do, but I'm not able to do. You know, and the older I get, the more I find I'm not able to do. There was a time, this big step here, that I could just jump right up here and think nothing of it. I tried that one time. 
And that's the last time I ever tried to do that. There's times after a service, somebody will come, and I'll, I'll go to step down off of this, and I remember I can't do that anymore. Just a few weeks ago, we were having an activity in the gym, and we were on the bleachers in the gym, and, and uh, it was a clash of clans. It was parents versus the teens. And so I, some event was going to happen, and I was going to volunteer to help be one of the mighty men, you know, in the clan of men's to defeat the, the boys, you know, in this event. And, and I'm on the top of the bleachers talking, and, and I went to go down the bleachers, and I don't need a railing. I, don't, I just walked down the bleachers, and some lady had her pocketbook and, and, and coat there. And so I just simply did what anyone would normally do and just step over all of those things. And when I stepped over those things, my knee twisted, my hip twisted, my legs, I mean, I I, I was a mess for weeks after that. It was going to hurt my golf game. I mean, there was a day that I could have just jumped up those bleachers, missing two or three steps at a time. I'm getting to a place I can't walk down them missing one step now without being in bed for weeks. I can't do what I used to do. There are some things that some people in this room are, 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 are very, very good at. And boy, I'd love to be able to do those things, but I'm just not able to. I talked to someone not long ago, and they were telling me about finances and, and stocks, and they do all their own planning. And, and boy, I, I hear those things, and those types of things just go right over my head. And I say to myself, boy, I wish I understood all those things, but I don't understand those things. There's a lot of things that I can look at and say, boy, I, I feel inferior. I feel maybe a little bit less, or I feel maybe some other person's better in that area. But there's something about this soul winning. There's something about giving the gospel. I don't have to do it in my own strength. I can approach this thing and say this, Lord, this is something that I don't have to be a salesman to do. This is something that I don't have to have strength of my own to do. This is just something that I need to be obedient and open my mouth and share who Jesus Christ is and share what he's done for me and share that he died on the cross and share that he went to the grave and share that he rose again and share that he's coming again. I can do that. How can I do that? Because it's nothing about me. I don't have to depend upon my strength. I don't have to depend upon my logic. I, don't, I only have to rest in this, that all power comes from him. I'm so glad that what he asked me to do, he also said, I'm going to equip you to do it. Have you ever been asked to do something that you just aren't quite sure how to do? My, my Mackenzie, she loves to bake. She's our 12-year-old. She loves to bake. She's getting better at it. But in the beginning, she loved it, but she, let's just say, lacked in some areas. And she loved, she would bake a cake mix she'd get on the internet and get this recipe and she'd put this recipe together and I remember she put this cake she was going to do a double decker cake and I mean this thing looked like like cake boss cake you know and I didn't have the heart to tell her babe I don't think it's going to work because she thought I can do this she saw the picture she saw herself doing this and so I said all right well, about 30 minutes later, I remember walking into the kitchen and the cakes were coming out of the oven and, and, and she was hurrying and she was putting them down and she went to flip the cake out of the pan and, and she forgot to grease the pan. And I remember her putting that, tipping it upside down, trying to get that cake out of the pan. And eventually the cake came out of the pan, but it came out like in about 16 pieces. 
I remember her with tears. She's sitting there. She's putting these pieces back together, and she says, I think Frosty will fix this, Dad. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I said, nothing can fix that mess. I just put it in the trash, and let's try again. Last night, she was home, and she was making some, some uh, donuts, and boy, she wasn't going to make that mistake twice. And so there was this much olive oil on the bottom of the pan of what she was making. I love watching her try. She watches them on TV, and she thinks, I see it on TV. I, I think I can, I can do this. You know, sometimes in life there's things that we want to do, but we just can't do those things. But when it comes to presenting the gospel, every single person, every single Christian, if you're a child of God, there's one thing that you can do, and that's share the gospel. You say, how do you know I can do it? Because Jesus gave us a command to do it, and he said, I'm not only going to give you a command, I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to help you be successful. I'm going to help you share the gospel. I remember it well. It was probably 20 years ago now. But I remember this as it was yesterday. I remember getting a phone call. It was about 1.30 in the morning, and it was one of the moms in our youth group, and she called me and she said, can I come to your house? She said, I'm with my son and my son is wanting to commit suicide. And I've told you this story before and I thought to myself, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm barely out of Bible college. I, I don't know anything about life. I don't know anything about how to help someone suicide. And, and she brought him over. It was about 1.30 in the morning. And I remember the 10 or 15 minutes it took for her to get there. I'm on the floor in my, in my, in my uh, living room just in tears saying, God, you've got to help me. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help a 16-year-old that feels like taking his life is the only option. And I'll never forget that time he came in and after an hour, hour and a half or so of talking, I remember him kneeling on that same floor that I was just shedding tears on. He knelt down on his knees and he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I can tell you this, there was nothing in me that could do some, such a thing. It was the power of the Lord. It was me just being obedient and coming to the place where I realized this, I don't know the answers, but I know a God that does. I don't know what to say, but I know a God that can. I don't know how to help, but I know a God that does. I don't have the power to help, but I know a God that does. About 2.30 or 3 o'clock in that morning, that young boy, he kneeled down and he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Power comes from God. I remember a man I witnessed to several times. He was an old trucker. Boy, if you saw him, you would think to yourself, there's no way this guy wants anything to do with the gospel. And we'd witness to him, and we'd witness to him, and we'd witness to him, and what a glorious day it was, the day he showed up at church. And I remember him coming and being saved that day. He's a person that you would thought, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. There's no way he wants to hear. But listen to me, it wasn't me that did the work. It was the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit of God that had the power to save that man. What a wonderful thing it is to know that I can't do anything, but if I rely on the Holy Spirit of God, he has the power to save. 
Listen to me, maybe today you're here and you think this. I can't do this. I don't know if I could share the gospel. I don't know if I can, if I can, if I can uh, uh, share what Jesus Christ has done. Many, many don't because they have fear. They don't know what to say. Someone said to me one time, I'd love to share the gospel. I just don't know what to say. I said, all you've got to do is tell people what happened to you. Tell them what Jesus Christ did for you. Tell them that you were a sinner. Tell them that you deserved death. But tell them that one day someone came along and shared the gospel with you. They told you about Jesus. They told you that he loved you. They told you that he died for you. They told you that he rose again. And just tell him what he did for you. Listen to me. Sometimes fear keeps us from sharing the gospel. But I want to say to you this today. You don't have to have fear because Jesus promised that all power comes from him. And the power that comes from him can overcome your fear as well some people say I don't know what to say I don't know how to say it well this week as you get that new testament in your hand and you your hand begins to shake and you start to convince yourself that you can't do this because of fear you just know this that the power that Jesus said I'm going to give you to the disciples is going to be the same power that can overcome your fear just be obedient take that new testament and share the truth with someone that needs to hear Jesus. Some don't do it out of fear. Others, they're afraid of rejection. I'll never forget, we were in South Philly. I was a youth pastor at a church in South Philadelphia, Southwest Philly. In the row homes, you know, just one row home after another. And boy, I'll tell you, that's intimidating. Just going up and knocking on a door, someone you have no idea the guy I was with, I was standing on the bottom of the step. He walked up the step. He knocked on the door. And when he knocked on the door, the entire door fell in. I mean, the whole door went into the house. I looked at him. I said, you're on your own, buddy. And I jumped into the bushes. And I, this guy came to the door. I mean, this guy was the biggest, meanest-looking guy. Of all the doors you're going to knock in, this is not the guy you want to knock his door down. And as he came to the door, as the door was laying there, he came to the door with this look on his face, and the guy that I was with just looks like a sheep, just like, kill me now. <laughs> Some people say, I'm afraid, I'm intimidated. Jesus said, I'll give you power. We're at a place in New York City the Brighton Beach area of New York City. The Brighton Beach area is a Russian community and we were taking John and Romans and handing out John and Romans in this area. My wife was with me and I think a couple of our kids and there was about 20 of us or so. We took a missions trip to New York City. We we're helping a church start a church there and we were just canvassing an area, handing out John and Romans and before we knew it, this mob of people came after us upset that we were giving out John and Romans. I mean, it, it got a little bit intimidating. It got to the place where they were following us and yelling and screaming. I mean, and as this happened, more and more of the community, the, 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 the Russian community there in the Brighton Beach area that didn't want to hear the, the, the gospel, they, they were following us and, and they, were, they were telling people not to take the literature that we were giving out because it was false. 
I remember being there with my wife and our couple of our kids and the rest of the group that we were with, and I'll tell you, it was intimidating. I remember the fellow that was leading our group. He, he didn't seem phased at all by it. I'm thinking to myself, how can you not be phased? You see these guys are, are yelling and screaming. Eventually, they're going to take matters in their own hands. We need to get out of here. And he reminded us, the group of this very scripture, he said this, don't, re, don't forget, group, that the power that we need comes from the Lord. And the power that comes from the Lord is more powerful than any might that this group has against us. And boy, that gave me such relief. I tell you, at times, we feel maybe rejection. We don't want to give the gospel, but we need to realize this, the power that comes from the Lord is greater than anything that mankind can do to us. My wife and I were sitting at a restaurant just down here on Dussel. And as we always try to do, we give a track to the waitress. And this evening it was later and so the wasn't real busy. And so when we gave the track to the waitress, we also said, do you have a minute? I'd love to share with you what this track has to say. And as we were sharing with her the, what the Bible has to say, she got very upset. And as she got very upset, it would have been easy for me to say, forget it, ma'am, forget what we said. Let me just take that, trash, that track back and, and, and forget what I said. But she got upset, and she wanted to fight over this and challenge me. And she said, what makes you think that your religion is better than anybody else's? I said, first of all, ma'am, I want you to know this. What I'm talking about isn't religion. It's Jesus. I'm not trying to introduce you to a religion. I'm not trying to introduce you to my church. I'm not trying to introduce you to a new set of laws. What I'm trying to introduce you to is relationship in Jesus Christ. I'm trying to introduce to you the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm trying to introduce you to the Son of God. Sometimes we're afraid of rejection, and because of rejection, we, 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 we just stop telling them the gospel. Maybe, maybe you've been here, and you have been rejected, and you say, you know what? I don't know if I could go through that again. I want you to know that you can, and I know you can because Jesus said, all power he holds, and whatever power you need to do this thing of giving the gospel, he'll give you. And so don't allow fear. Don't allow rejection to keep you from going out and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some may say this, it's just not convenient. There was a, another time in another restaurant just south of here we were sitting at, and it was busy, but I just felt the Lord prompting me to share the gospel with this waitress. And she had several, it was busy at that time, and, and I went back and forth, and I said, Lord, this is just inconvenient for her. She's not going to stop. I want to be obedient, but there's no way this girl's going to have time to listen. And so before we left, I said to her, I said, I know you're busy. I can see that. And I don't want to keep you from doing a good job. And I know this is your job. But I, I just need to tell you about Jesus Christ. And she stood there for, it just seemed, for many minutes and listened. And she said to me this. She says, I have never heard this before. She came to Northwest Ohio to go to a university here. Waitressing at a, at a restaurant to pay her school bill. And the response to me was, I have never heard this before. And I said, I know you're busy. Can I tell you more? And she says, please do. 
And she stood there the entire time that I shared with her the gospel. She closed her eyes and she trusted Christ as her Savior. You see, sometimes we convince herself it's not a good time, it's inconvenient. Sometimes we think of ourselves, if I witness to this person, I, I live next door to them, it's going to be inconvenient, it's going to be a little awkward. Just the last month or so, maybe just a few weeks ago, little Chloe, our seven-year-old, she had a burden for our next-door neighbor that just moved in, and, and she said, I, I, want to, I want to give them the gospel, and I want to share with them something about church. And so she, without us knowing, she went to Pastor Paul and, and said, I, I want to give my neighbors a uh, uh, um, a Bible, and, and they put a little packet together, and she put a Bible in there, and she put some information about the church, and she put some information about Awana, and she made a nice note. She wrote up herself, and she said, I'm Chloe, and I'm your neighbor, and I wanted to tell you about Jesus, and she asked me for two or three days, can I go over and, and give that to our neighbor, and I said, of course, babe, and one night, she walked over to the door all by herself. She knocked on the door, and they came to the door. They were in the middle of dinner, and she said, I have a gift for you. She walked back over with this big smile on her face. The next day, she said to Michelle, she says, you think they liked it? Michelle said, I'm sure they did. She said, me too, because if they didn't, they would have just brought it back to our house. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that burden of a seven-year-old. Well, I don't allow awkwardness or inconvenience to keep me from doing what our Savior commanded us to do. Secondly, I want you to write this down. Not only, not only number one, it's done, it's not done in our strength. Number two, I've been made into something. He said this to his disciples, ye shall be witnesses. He said, I'll make you to become fishers of men. There was a church in Hanover, Michigan. In a small church, they had a couple vans that they would send out in Hanover, Michigan, south of Jackson. And if you've been to Hanover, Michigan, you know if you blink, you've gone through it. Matter of fact, it's so small, there's another small town called Horton, Michigan, and they just call it Hanover Horton. Because if you blink twice, you went through both towns. There's a small little church there. They had a couple vans, and they'd go out in this country area of Michigan, and they would go to the houses, and they would, they would, they would knock on the doors, and they would say, hey, we want to bring you to church. There's a little girl that lived in Horton, Michigan, on the corner of Hatch Road, and, and, and they came to her house, and she was the oldest of six siblings. Her parents didn't go to church. Her siblings didn't go to church. She was the only one that would get on that van. And, and when she became a teenage girl, they said, we're going to still come back, and we're going to pick you up for youth group, and we're going to pick you up for church. And, and they, through her teenage years, they picked her up and brought her to church. She heard about Jesus. She didn't hear about Jesus in her home. She didn't hear about Jesus in her school. She heard about Jesus as a young girl at church. And she wonderfully, gloriously was saved. She got old enough to graduate from high school, and that church said to her, what are you going to do with your life? She says, I want to go to Bible college, but my parents don't really see the need of Bible college, and her parents didn't have a whole lot of money to send her to college at all. And so they said this, if you'll go to Bible college, we'll pay your first year. So she went to Pontiac, Michigan, to Midwestern Baptist College, and her second or third year there, she met a man, and she got married to this fella. 
Kathy went, got married, and she got married to this guy that he surrendered his life to be a church, church planter, and he took her to Michigan and New Hampshire and Wyoming, back to Michigan, to Philadelphia, to New Jersey, and back to Michigan again after all of that. And all the people that were saved, all the people that heard the gospel, Here's a little girl, grew up in a home that nobody went to church, grew up in a home that nobody was saved, grew up in a home that, that really didn't want anything to do with church, but there was a church that said this, we're going to take the Great Commission serious. We're going to go into our Jerusalem and we're going to pick up boys and girls and bring them to church and, 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 and give them the gospel and see them saved and encourage them to do something with their life. And she marries a man and, and in the ministry for over 30 years and, and, and scores and scores and scores of people are saved. That lady was my mom. You see, on my mom's side, I didn't come from a Strong Christian heritage. There was a fellow that worked in the Philadelphia airports. He wasn't a very honest man. Matter of fact, he worked on the airplanes, catering the airplanes, and the small little bottles of the alcohol that you would get on the airplanes, he'd take those off airplanes, and he would take and sell those, and that was kind of like how he was cheating his company and making a little extra money. Anything he could do to steal, he'd stole, he would steal. He, he was an alcoholic. He lived his life. He grew up. He was a very good religious person. Went to, went to Catholic school and went to Mass when he was supposed to go and did all the things he was supposed to do, but he realized this. Something's wrong with my life. There was a fella that was working with him and gave him a track and said this, you know, Jesus loves you. And he just took that track and he put it up in the visor of his truck and really didn't care to read it. There was another fellow that kept inviting him to church and kept saying, hey, you know, Jesus loves you and, and he died for you. And he said, I kept putting that off. By this time, he has a two-year-old daughter. He's been married for several years. He's raising a family. He's working this job, and, 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 and he turns the radio on on the way to work one day, and on the radio, there's a man that's preaching the gospel. He said, at that very moment, I'm hearing the gospel preached. I remember that track that somebody had given to me. I remember this person I worked with that kept giving me the gospel, that wouldn't quit and wouldn't give up. And he said, the Lord brought all those things together. And at that moment, I pulled over. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. That man is Michelle's father. And I think that somebody cared enough to share the gospel with a little girl in a home that didn't have a Christian parents. I think that there was a church member that cared enough to share the gospel with a coworker. There was a Christian that, shared, that cared enough to share a track with the gospel plan of salvation in it. There was a preacher that cared enough that was on the radio to preach the gospel. And I want to tell you this, church, if it wasn't for a Christian that obeyed the Great Commission, your pastor and your pastor's wife wouldn't be here today. It's amazing what God can do when a Christian is obedient. It's amazing the stories that are changed 
because a Christian's obedient. I have been made into something. Listen to me, so many people look at life and they wonder, what's the purpose of life? God can take your life and he can use you if you're willing to be obedient and he can turn your life into something that is eternal purpose. Oh, Christian, don't live your life out there on your own. Don't live your life trying to get the, the success of this world and miss the opportunity why God saved you and what God desires for you to do. Some have the opportunity to do, as he said, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every single person that God brings you into their path, he's brought you there for a reason. And that reason is not so that you can enjoy the pleasures of this world together. That reason is there so that you can give the gospel message. I want to ask you, church, will you this week take the gospel and share it with a world that needs Jesus?